Welcome to this episode of Rural Justice Redefined. I'm your host, Tara Kunkel, and today I'm joined by Christy Harness, who's the Executive Director of the Scott County Family Justice Center. Welcome, Christy. Thank you, Tara. It's great to be here. Let's start by talking a little bit about your community. Can you tell our listeners about Scott County, Tennessee? Sure. Scott County, Tennessee is um, located in East Tennessee. We are a rural community. Our largest city is Knoxville. Uh, We're about two and a half hours from Sevierville. And we have here in Scott County, the Big South Fork National River and Recreation area and it is um, a kind of like a small smoky mountain but we are a small county with a huge heart wonderful and so today we're going to be talking about the scott county coordinated community response team that was selected as one of the rural justice collaboratives innovation sites so as i understand it that i'm going to use the acronym ccr team uh, was formed in 2015 Can you describe for our listeners what the CCR is and why the team was created? The team was created because our um, court saw such a need to bring everybody together to make a difference for victims in our community and to hold um, offenders accountable for what they were doing. And so our general sessions judge, James L. Cotton, Jr., started the program. And so what agencies are represented on the CCR team? Currently, we have in our CCR about 20 plus programs, and those are um, our law enforcement. We also have our circuit court clerk, our judge, our magistrate. We have the domestic violence service provider, which is our shelter our Children's Advocacy Center, the Scott County Family Justice Center, our District Attorney's Office, uh, Probation, our County Mayor, which is our government offices, Legal Aid, and um, we also have what's called BIP, that's our Batters Intervention Program. We have Adult Protective Services, uh, Mountain Peoples, which is our mental health provider, as well as the Scott Christian Care Center and adult education. That's a lot of people, but it sounds like it's all the key people and partners that you need to make sure that your system is working well for victims. How frequently does the team get together? We meet 10 times a year um, each month, and we meet for um, an hour at minimum, and we do it during lunchtime because if you provide food, people come. And so we have an amazing partner um, that provides lunch for everybody. So what would a typical team meeting look like? What are the types of topics you would talk about? Um, And is there a coordinator who who leads the discussion or is there a chairman? How does this work? We do. We have a chairman who is actually our magistrate, our court magistrate, and she opens up the meeting and she reminds everybody about confidentiality where if by chance there's a specific situation that's talked about if anybody has knowledge of that situation that we would be very careful on anything to do with confidentiality. We recognize any guests or special speakers at that time and then we'll go if there's any old business from the previous meeting um, that we need to bring back to the table and discuss we do that. Then we have each one of our partnering agencies give a report Um, of what they did the previous month. So it tells, like for the Family Justice Center, we would say we served so many people this month. 
we would break it down as to how many were male and female, um, what were the victimizations, um, how that individual got to us so that we can show that there is that collaboration that's going on, as well as um, how many referrals we've made out. So they would know what's happening at the Family Justice Center. And then once we get finished with that, we talk about what improvements that we need to see um, happen for the next month, or what is there that's happened this month that was really, really good, or what happened that wasn't so good and we need to work on. So you're not so much talking about cases at all in this meeting, but really focused on that systems approach. Is that accurate? Yes, more so systems uh, approach, especially because if we can get the systems working, the victims are going to feel much more supported. So as you guys generate ideas as a team, where do those ideas go? So you take minutes and you're done with the meeting. What happens with those minutes and how do you use them locally? And are they used by anybody else? So we have a grant through the Office of Criminal Justice Program, which is a state agency in Tennessee, and they provide funds through Avoca grant for a CCR specialist. And that CCR specialist is um, housed here at the Family Justice Center. She also, um, and I say she because that's what we have at this point, um, is a female, and she keeps all the minutes, and we keep um, those in a binder so we can go back and look and make sure that we're staying focused on what we need to do as a group. Um, Then we also share those with the Office of Criminal Justice through our grant program manager. And they can use that to share across the state to other CCRs about what we're doing and how we're accomplishing um, what they are funding us to do. And do the CCR teams throughout the state ever get together by video or at a meeting to discuss kind of larger statewide issues or regional issues within the state? We haven't had all the CCRs get together um, at one time, which would probably be a pretty amazing thing. Um, So that's something that I'll take away from from this podcast to share with the state. Um, But the Family Justice Center um, initiative actually had their first statewide conference this year. And so there was a lot of members of our CCR that attended that conference as well. So on a smaller scale, we were able to do some of that um, meeting and discussing issues as a whole. So if someone listening to this podcast was interested in replicating um, a CCR team, what are the critical pieces that a community would need to put together to, to be successful from your perspective? Having patience is, is going to be um, something that definitely needs to be at the table. Um, but finding out who in your community has a desire to make changes um, and not only look at the negative, but what's happening that's really good. And to understand that it's not one entity that's taking control of a CCR because it literally is a coordinated response. Um Getting out of silos and working together as a team is what is most important. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, you know, we've been we've been going for about seven years now with our CCR, and we are constantly adding new members because we realize, oh, you know, this client needed this individual group here, and we didn't realize that that's a missing puzzle piece, but we need to bring them on, and so. Being willing to open um, communication 
and not be afraid to have a little bit of criticism come your way because it's truly to make things better in the end. And it can be done regardless of the size of the community. Can you uh, think of any uh, partner agency that you've added that just was unanticipated, like you didn't think of it in the beginning, but you've identified along the way over the seven years? Well, our newest member that we added um, was our adult education piece. And so there's a lot of individuals who are in domestic violence situations and they are told you can never do this on your own. You don't have a high school diploma. You can't do this. And so that piece came out because they started doing outreach in our local jails to helping individuals who were incarcerated to obtain their um, GED while they were incarcerated. And so through that, there were some individuals who were victims of domestic violence who also were incarcerated. And they were able to help them obtain their GED. And we were like, we need this piece. That's something that our victims need to have access to. And if we don't know it, we can't share it with you. I love that example. So, and I also love that you make sure to make time to talk about uh, what's working. So as you think about the last seven years and what has come along the way in the seven years, what's working in Scott County? What have you put in place in seven years? Communication. We truly have put communication um, as a forefront for us. It has, we have to focus on victim safety and offender accountability. And to be able to talk about that and to have individuals in the same room who are victim focused and those who are trying to assist an offender to change their pattern of behavior and to be able to do that in a respectful manner, um, we are they, we are there. And it's such a blessing. I started in domestic violence work back in 1998. And sometimes I see things that we still need to work on um, and get frustrated on things. But then I can look back to where we were in 98 versus where we are now. And as the saying goes, baby, we've come a long way. We certainly have. Have you found a way in your work to bring survivors of domestic violence um, to the table alongside the professionals to have their voice heard as part of the process? Is that something you all have been able to develop or incorporate within your work? Part of the requirement that we have with OCJP grants is that we have to provide a survey to each one of the clients that we provide services to. Um, And one of the things that Um, I've instructed our staff to do and that I do is that we tell the clients, be honest on these surveys. We can't fix what we don't know is broken. And if we think what we're doing is working, we're going to continue doing it that way. Um, But we need to know what's not there. So when we get feedback um, about something that needs to change within the system, then we have to listen to that. One of the things that we are looking forward to implementing in Scott County And some of the other areas have already done this is what's called a voices committee. And it's the voices of those who have been there, done that, and are survivors. What is it that they can give back to their community and use their voice? And so we really are looking forward to implementing a voices committee within um, the Family Justice Center and have somebody from that committee be present in the CCR meetings to be able to share, this is what's working. This is what you're doing good. 
this is what we need to work a little bit more on from a victim standpoint. And you've mentioned the Family Justice Center a few times, so let's talk about that. So that came along after your CCR team had been formed. For those that are not familiar with what a Family Justice Center is, can you describe uh, how it works? Sure. And, and it's not that I talk about try to talk about the Family Justice Center more than the other partners on the family uh, on the CCR. It's just. I'm the director of the FJC, so it makes it easy for me to do that. But the Family Justice Center is a one-stop shop for victims of domestic violence, um, sexual assault, elder abuse, human trafficking, um, and sometimes child abuse to come to to receive services all under one roof. So our particular Family Justice Center um, has a multitude of partners that are on-site and off-site. But our on-site partners is we ha- um, our on-site partners are the district attorney general's office. We have a domestic violence prosecutor that is in our um, building, as well as a victim witness coordinator. Our local sheriff's department has a domestic violence officer that is housed in our facility. We have a domestic violence advocate from our domestic violence provider, our shelter, that is also in our commu- um, also in our building. And we have a sexual assault advocate that visits our facility a couple of days a week. Legal Aid Society comes and meets with clients um, in our facility. So if an individual comes in and they need to do an order of protection or they need to speak to to somebody and they don't know what they're doing, where they need to go for services, they're able to do that under one roof. And in a rural community where transportation is an issue, because we don't have public transportation in Scott County, um, They can get all of that right here. They go to um, a room within the Family Justice Center that's referred to as a den, and everybody else goes to that den to meet with them individually. So they are able to stay safe and not feel like they're being paraded around the building. Everybody comes to them where they are. I love that. And then along the way, you also created, uh, your Scott County created a domestic violence court. Can you describe how that works? Yes. So out of the CCR there um, and conversations at the Family Justice Center with the district attorney's office, um, we saw the need for a, a domestic violence court. And we went to our general sessions court judge and said, is this something that you would entertain? And we were able to get funding for that through um, the Office of Criminal Justice Programs and started that um, twice a month. And so now victims of domestic violence are able to go to court um And the only people that are involved in that court are other victims of domestic violence. We start the day off um, with compliance. So anybody who has been charged with a domestic violence offense or had a order protection go down against them, they have to come in once a month and see our general sessions court judge, our DV judge, and he does a compliance check. So if they've been ordered to do um, a mental health assessment, a drug assessment, attend batter's intervention class, The judge wants to know how's things going. Um, And if they haven't done it, what's the reason? Have they fell through the cracks and and what was that reason? So they are being held accountable for their actions. And then we move into the order of protection docket. And then the latter part of the day goes into the criminal cases where if there's a hearing, preliminary hearing or um, a plea agreement that has to go in front of the judge that all takes place on on one day. That's amazing. And so any outcomes that you um, 
like to highlight around the domestic violence court? Like what it, what are the benefits that you've seen? For me, one of the biggest thing is the accountability for offenders um, and the safety for victims. Uh, we are able now, before the domestic violence court started, victims sat in a courtroom um, on one side, basically, and their offender was on the other side. Um, they got mean looks. They got intimidated. Um, so at this point now, when an individual comes in, and they are a petitioner or a victim in a case, we are able to place them in a safe room. And so they go in with advocates and they get to stay there until it's time for their case to actually be heard. So it um, reduces the amount of intimidation that can occur for a victim of domestic violence and the fear they have to go through. So I think hands down, it's victim safety and offender, offender accountability. As you look at everything that Scott County has done over the years, what advice would you have to another rural community about where to start and some of the most foundational people? For me, I think you have to find a core group of people in your community who are passionate about change and are willing to sit down at the table. And one of the things that our judge um, says a lot is you've got to peel the layers of the onion back. And so to be willing to peel those layers back of what's going, what's happening, and look at what needs to happen, um, not point fingers, and just get some dedication of some people that want to come around um, the table and, and have true conversation. Being willing to listen, uh, being patient, because it takes time, but it is absolutely worth the effort, and you will without a doubt, save lives of victims now and in the future. Are there any things that Scott County is thinking about uh, next as your, your next project or undertaking? Well, our domestic violence court has been um, in a mentoring program with the Pulaski County um, Court out of Virginia. And they have a program that's um, called the Hope Card Program. And that is um, a different thing than what we do. When we have an individual that gets a order of protection, they are provided with a copy of that court document, um, which is kind of cumbersome to carry and keep on your person. Um, but their program, actually, they make a card for any victim that wants it. And it's much like the size of a driver's license and they can easily carry it. Um, it can be, you know, kind of hidden, um, so to speak. And so that's something that we're talking about and looking at. We're getting ready. Unfortunately, our judge is retiring after 32 years. And so we're waiting to find out who um, at the election, who our next domestic violence court um, judge, General Sessions judge will be. And so hopefully they will continue on the efforts of what has been started. And we'll also see what the team has saw in the potential of having a hope card program in Scott County. We are also looking from the family justice center side of it um, to beginning incorporating a CCR for our elder population. We have saw what a great thing has happened with our domestic violence group that we also need to do that for our adults and vulnerable adult, our elders and vulnerable adult population. That's exciting. Thank you so much, Christy, for sharing um, everything that's going on in your community. It's really inspiring, and I know that people will take a lot away from it. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor.